Opinions expressed on this podcast are those of my guests or mine and do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Rosa T. Beard, the Beard family, our respective employers, organizations, committees, other groups, or individuals. Welcome to the Telling Her Story podcast. I am your host, Jennifer Lynn, and in this monthly podcast, I am taking you all with me on a journey of discovery to learn more about the life and legacy of my grandmother, Mrs. Rosa T. Beard, who was a pillar in her community and a part of Black history. We will be visiting with those who knew her in her many different roles to hear how her story influenced their stories. This is going to be good, y'all. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Before we dive into today's episode, I have an exciting opportunity to share with all of our listeners. The next episode of the Telling Her Story podcast will be the final episode for season one, and we'd like for you to be a part of it. If Mrs. Rosa T. Beard has influenced your life in any way, this is your chance to share your story. Here's what you need to do. Head over to our anchor page and leave a one minute or less voice message telling who you are and how Mrs. Beard positively influenced your life. A few of the messages will be selected to be featured in the final episode. A link to our anchor page can be found in the bios of our Instagram and Facebook pages at, at Telling Her Story Podcast. Now, in this episode of the Telling Her Story podcast, we have the pleasure of speaking with Mr. Baker Russo, a former escort of the Rosa T. Beard Debutante Club. Baker graduated from Davidson Fine Arts Magnet School and is now a freshman at Oglethorpe University. He majors in theater and was one of two recipients of the Oglethorpe University Theater Scholarship. He thoroughly enjoys spending time and sharing love with the many people of his village as they've shaped him into the man he is today. Basketball is also one of his favorite hobbies. Baker, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us to share your experience as a recent escort for the Rosa T. Beard Debutante Club. Thank you for having me. So to begin, how did you first learn about the Rosa T. Beard Debutante Club? Um, you know, actually, I believe it was through um, Stacy Lee. Right? I call her Auntie Stacy, but uh, Sydney and Harper, they're her sons and they were doing it. And I believe like she just extended the offer to me. And then I, you know, went with them. And this was when I was a sophomore in high school. So that was my first year doing it. And then I just went from there. OK, so you actually were escort more than one year. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I was a like the sophomore year. That was my first year. And then in junior year, we were, you know, that was when my, the pandemic hit. That was a uh, 2020, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, so obviously we didn't get to do like the whole physical thing. But I was also an escort that year. And then this past year, I was, you know, the escort for all the ladies as well. But not like for the dancing part, because we didn't, you know, I was the only escort there. Um but I was escorting them to get their awards and everything like that. So, oh, that's awesome! I didn't realize you participated three years in a row. So, yeah, yeah. so I would say, so you know the club well. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, most definitely. <laughs> and so, when you were asked to be an escort, what made you want to participate? Like, did you know anything about kind of what you were expected to do or what intrigued you about it? Um, you know, just the, it's a very unique opportunity because it's not every day that you're, you know, invited to be a part of a cotillion. So I just thought that was that was pretty amazing. And, you know, they're they're always my Sydney and Harper. I, I, I always refer to them as my brothers, but they're always like doing, you know, great stuff. So I was like, you know, this is probably an amazing opportunity and I would love to do it. 
Um, and I'm glad I did too, because I also like dancing as well. So okay. that was that was definitely um, a great reason as to why I also did it. Um, and then, you know, from me doing it, I got to meet some amazing people. So I'm definitely grateful that I took the opportunity. That's great. That's great. And so as an escort, what types of activities are you all involved in? Because I know with the girls, you know, they do the community service along, you know, the years and they have different activities. How involved are the escorts outside of just the cotillion? Um, Outside of the cotillion, really, it's like within, well, I guess this is kind of still within the cotillion, but like it's like a brotherhood kind of sort of. So we're we have, you know, we kind of have like a mentor um within you know Mr. Bland he was our uh, dance teacher but he was also kind of like a mentor to us so he kind of like taught us you know certain things that you know male role models that some men might not have would have mm-hmm. would have been teaching the other um escorts and stuff like that so it was really it was like a brotherhood um kind of like a you know family outside of your family um there wasn't ma- there weren't many activities that we like as a group did outside of the community but we just you know it was a lesson you know within like learning how to hold yourself to a higher standard and especially like how to treat the woman that you're going to be escorting and things like that so that's that's kind of what we learned from the experience Mm. and in terms of like your practices and things like that how often do y'all meet um I believe so this was in 10th grade so I don't exactly remember but I, I do believe it was every Saturday um, and if not, then every other Saturday, but I'm pretty sure it was definitely closer to the cotillion. It was, it was every Saturday. Um, and we practiced for just, just a couple hours. Like it was usually in the morning time. So probably around like 10 to one ish, depending on, you know, how the girl schedule was going to, because, you know, they had, they were, they did stuff. They practiced before we did. And they also practiced throughout the week. So they got there later and we got there earlier sometimes. So but yeah, okay. most of the practices just were in the morning-ish, and they only lasted a couple hours. So it was very nice. That's great. And so you mentioned you were a high school student during the pandemic. No, <laughs> and yeah. so I know I was saying, and I'm so curious about kind of what that experience was like, just, you know, being a high school student during the pandemic. Um, I'd love to hear that. But then also, too, you know, we can talk about as well kind of what was different with the cotillion once the pandemic hit versus like your 10th grade year when it was the the normal um, cotillion that you would have. So first, I would say, you know, as a high school student, how mm. how was that? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Um, you know, so it happened at the end of my junior year. And first of all, I will say I was extremely grateful for it to to come at the time that it did. Because, like I said, like I went to Davidson Fine Arts, so we were, you know, doing a lot of performances and stuff as we always do, and we had just finished like the same the weekend that we performed our show that we've been rehearsing for the past couple of months was the last weekend before school got closed down. Oh so wow! It was it was kind of nice at first because I was coming, you know, coming off of rehearsals and shows back to back to back. So it was like, oh wow! So I get a break from from all the going in person and you know staying late at night and I could just get to sit at home and you know do school virtually so at first it was nice but then you know I'm a people person so I realized the whole doing school thing without the social interaction was not that much fun and Mm -hmm. it was a lot harder because you know you're not sitting in class to do your work you have to um hold yourself to um hold yourself accountable and you have to tell yourself okay I need to do this right now and 
you know, go ahead and get it done as if I were actually in class. So that was that was a lot harder. Um, but, you know, overall, it, it wasn't that bad just because everyone understood that this was something new and it was very abrupt. So the end of my junior year, which was 2020, like March 2020, May, March through May of 2020, was not that bad just because, you know, everyone was very understandable and, and things weren't that tough. But going into, be, you know, being a senior, and although we did have the option, we were blessed with the option to, to go online, I mean, to go in person. Um, oh, okay. You could choose, yeah, you could choose whether to go online or go in person, but I, obviously I, I chose to go in person. Um, but still, like, having to take certain breaks throughout the year because cases were getting worse and having to, you know, wear a mask and having new ways of operating in the school system was kind of weird. Um, and just everything being online, you know, for so long was was kind of hard to to adjust to. And then on top of all that, senioritis is <laughs> a real thing. So very um, real. Yeah, I had a very warm welcome to to the whole senioritis thing. Um, but yeah, so it was it was definitely different. But I'm I'm grateful for the experience because. You know, you talk about holding yourself accountable and getting your work done away from class. It, it, you know, it was a very fine transition into college. And, you know, I've only been here for two weeks as I'm saying this, but, you know, I already, I understand that I have to make um, like a calendar for myself and let myself know, hey, even though you get out of class at this time, you know, you mentally still have to keep yourself in class until you get your work done. You know what I'm saying? Regardless of if you're in your dorm or not. So. Exactly. That's an excellent point that I didn't think of that I think probably a lot of students within your cohort who are now like, you know, freshmen in college and things like that, you mm -hmm. will have like some of those growing pains that a lot of freshmen have in college of learning how to be disciplined and holding yourself accountable and making sure that you're um, getting where you need to be on time and, and kind of self-pacing. You all learned a lot of that as your senior, you know, during your senior year with the pandemic. And so I think in a way that is almost an advantage because you all kind of have a leg up on what most freshmen have when they they get to that point and they're confronted with that. And I hadn't thought about that before. So that that's one, I guess, bright point. <laughs> yes, to, yes. <laughs> to all of this. Um, okay. And then you say you go to, or well, you went to a fine arts school. And so in terms of that, for your senior year, what was different? Like, were you all able to do performances or, or what types of um, activities were you typically involved in? Was it theater or? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Theater. That was definitely. Well, I, you know, I also dance. Like I said, I, I do love to dance, okay. but I didn't like take the class as um, like in junior or senior just because I didn't have like very much or I didn't have any time like to fit it into my schedule. Um, so theater was like my main focus those last two years. Um, and it was go with the pandemic happening. Everything was online. So we had to do like skits and we had to like record our part and then like send it in for people to edit them or students actually would edit them and you know put them together um and that wasn't so bad um but it was definitely different and you know making ideas about stuff like during a pandemic was pretty hard because everything came back to you know covid and you know like because you know we do like fall skits or like winter skits so before we go on winter break we always you know show what is going on um, kind of like in the school system. So right now what was going on, like before we left for winter break last year was, you know, COVID and stuff. So our whole skit was based around trying to figure out, it, it, 
it was like it's hard to explain without like kind of confusing yourself but basically we were we were acting out how we act in class we like performed it like as if we were on a zoom call it was it was it was pretty it was actually pretty cool um but you know we were talking about covid and you know what how we're gonna have show ideas but do it virtually now and stuff like that so it, it was pretty fun but like i said everything does get kind of you know, it's hard to be kind of creative when that's the only thing that we're, you know, dealing with at the moment, or, or at least it's the biggest thing that we're dealing with at the moment. So, right. yeah, so that's kind of how the experience was last year. Um, we didn't do, I, yeah, I don't think we did any any in-person shows, or actually at the end of the year, we did do um, this little teacher spoof thing, which was actually pretty fun. So grateful for that. Actually, we, um, me and some of my friends, we actually did, um, I don't know if you ever watched Mean Girls, um, but the little, the little Christmas skit dance that they did. So me and some of my guy friends, uh, our teacher, she asked us if we would like to kind of recreate that skit. So we did that and they recorded it and they showed it on the, for the little winter showcase thing. So that was actually pretty fun too. Um, so yeah, so there are definitely some great parts about, you know, COVID happening and, you know, us getting things online. Cause, you know, I still have people that are like, send me you know, clips of the of the show. And I'm like, oh, wow, this thing is really, you know, just out there permanently forever. So, <laughs> but, it's, but it's actually pretty funny though. But yeah, overall, like the whole theater experience was a lot different um, just because there was no actual theater. Um, but it, it was still, it was still quite enjoyable um, being able to do something new. And, you know, overall, you, you just realize that you're able to still get things done. You just have to kind of adjust. So exactly. even though it might not be, yeah, the way that you're used to doing it, a way to do it. So you got to be grateful for that. Yeah. And it sounds like y'all tapped into skills, like other skills to accomplish the same thing. And so you were still challenged, just challenged in a different way, which I think is super creative and, and really fun. So then switching gears to then the cotillion and just kind of the differences with that. So, you know, for those who aren't aware um, of how the normal cotillion is, like you said, you know, the, the escorts typically do a dance. And that's really honestly like one of the highlights of the Rosa TV. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> the escorts, y'all's dance every year. Um, and so in your 10th grade year, you got that experience. And then how, what was different for the 2020? How did you all go about that? Did the escorts dance? Did you dance with the girls or what things had to be switched for the, you know, to adjust for the pandemic. Yeah. So everything was in, so 10th grade, you know, everything, or in 2019, everything was normal. 2020, we had everything online. So we had to learn the dance online, which was very interesting, but a lot easier than you would have thought because, you know, Mr. Bland, he would just get up and show us the move. And then we just, you know, we'd have to find a space in our home somewhere to, to practice it. But and, and that was it. And it was actually not as hard as you would think it would be. And it was actually pretty fun, like just seeing everyone, you know, do the dance at the same time and, you know, being able to learn something, even though you're not like physically there is definitely different. And it does, you know, take away a bit from it just because you're, you're not in the room with like the energy of everyone else, you know, dancing with you and stuff. Um, but the fact that we found a way to still do it was, was pretty nice. Um, but we actually didn't end up like performing the dance, I don't believe. Um, I forgot exactly what happened, but my, it, the cotillion ended up just being like all, all the, the girls were there. Um, I was Luckily, I was still honored with like the, the award for Mr. Cotillion or yeah, Mr. Escort, I mean. <laughs> but um, yeah, we didn't actually get to like perform. 
Armar dance um, okay. that year, which which was, you know, a bit, you know, sad, I guess. But, you know, the fact we still had a chance to, you know, meet and talk and practice with, with one another, which is what we would be doing anyway. So that that is, you know, an experience that I'm definitely uh, grateful for. And it was, it was it was very enjoyable as well. Okay. And then last year, you said for 2021, this mm -hmm. most recent one, you were involved as well. Um, was it similar to 2020 or? Um, it was different because, you know, there was actually nothing online. So we mm -hmm. actually, you know, I, I didn't go until a bit later because like I said, I wasn't actually dancing this year. I was just escorting them to, you know, get their awards. So I met with them the day before and then we, you know, did a run through and it was very sweet, you know, just being there and, you know, getting to see everyone because they had been practicing for I don't even know how long they've been practicing for, but it, it had been a while beforehand. So for me to get up there and, you know, obviously I have a lot of uh, girlfriends who are like there. So mm -hmm. just to see what they had been practicing for this whole time and, you know, seeing them, you know, actually do it in person. I, I was very happy to see that. And I was very proud of them as well. Um, so, yeah. So when I got there, I just uh, I was escorting them to, you know, to, to get their awards. Um, and then they, they also honored me as, you know, the Mr. Cotillion too. So, yeah, so it was very nice to to have that experience, even though, you know, the pandemic was still going on. So I really appreciate, you know, them actually working because I know it was probably not easy to to get everyone there at the same time and, you know, just organize this thing um, with everything that was going on. So the fact that we were actually able to pull it off and it was a, an amazing event was was super, super nice. And it was it was different because, you know, there were no escorts. There was no escort dance or anything like that. Um, but you know the fact that I still kind of got to do what I had done two years ago was 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 pretty cool. So yeah, that's awesome. And so you did mention, and it's very impressive that you were voted to be um, the 2020 Mister Escort. And it sounds like 2021 Mister Escort as well, right? Yeah. Well, I, I think so. I got it in 2020. Um, I don't. I actually, you know, I actually don't know if if the if I was technically honored twice, but. I, I received it in 2020, but I wasn't actually there to okay. um, to to get the award. Um, so then 2021 is when they kind of like I because I was Mr. Escort last year. I was also I guess it just kind of like carried over into the, to the next year. Gotcha. Um, well, I mean, but that's still it's it's impressive. And so, what or do you know kind of what is expected of a Mr. Escort? What are some of the things that go into that when the ladies are deciding who to select for it? Yeah, um, good question. Because they, they actually talked about this one time. I remember because I was, you know, I heard, I, I remember hearing what they said as the Mr. Escort was announced in my uh, sophomore year. Um, and I think, you know, one of the most important things is just, you know, being there, uh, showing up for the practices, being being punctual, um, and bringing like a good attitude to the practices and, uh, you know, trying to help everyone out whenever you can. Um, obviously being respectful of uh, your debutante, whoever you're escorting, um, and just all the debutantes and all the, the staff and the people who are organizing the event. Um, but I think the most, one of the most important things is just, you know, respect and, you know, commitment to the process. Because, you know, it's easy to, to not be on time and, you know, just to kind of like show up whenever. Um, and, you know, they want you to obviously, you know, present yourself in a nice way as well, because at the end of the day, you're escorting, you know, a very beautiful young lady on, you know, a huge night. Um, and it's really, it's, it's their night too. So you have to make sure that you are also presenting yourself in a good way because, 
the way that you carry yourself and present yourself will ultimately affect how their night goes. So yeah, I think I think just the important part is, you know, being great at the rehearsals and then also just doing your best to understand that it's not well not that it's not your night but that there's like a a bigger cause that you know we're working towards just to make you know everyone happy and to you know so that all the mamas can get the oh my gosh that's my daughter and and the guy behind her is kind of cute too so yeah i think that's that's the important part of it that's awesome and so you know a lot of people are you know nowadays it's 2021 and so some people may think okay cotillions like what is that why do we still need to do that you know the whole presentation to society and so I'm always curious for those of you who are still doing this you know who've done it recently what would you tell other young men and women who might be on the fence about whether or not they should participate in a debutante club or a cotillion what are your thoughts um, well, firstly, like, you know, when are you ever gonna, you know, have a chance to do something like this again, you know? Um, you know, and of course, you know, we kind of have prom, which is a bit different, but it's it's kind of the same, you know, you get dressed up and you look nice and have fun with your friends. But Cotillion, I feel like it's is a very unique experience. And if if you have the opportunity to do it, then I feel like there's there's you know, there's no reason not to because you make a lot of great friends. Like the the lady who I was escorting or the young woman who I was escorting um, my first year. I still talk to her now. And she's very sweet and she has a very nice family and everything like that. Um, so, yeah, so it's like you make a lot of connections. And the uh, Mr. Bland, the one who taught us um, our dance in my sophomore year and, mm-hmm. and our junior year as well. So 2019 and 2020, the, the, the man who taught us the dances those years, I still talk to him as well. Um, and I believe he's actually up here in Atlanta um, dancing now. Um, but yeah, so it's just, yeah, you have, you have a great opportunity to, to meet some very nice people and, um, to, to dress up and to, you know, practice those, those formalities and learn some, some new skills and everything like that. Cause I didn't, I didn't know that ballroom dancing was my thing until I did <laughs> continue. So yeah, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a unique opportunity that I feel like you should definitely take advantage of if you can. So and so, you know, now you are a college student and <laughs> you finished yes, high yeah. school. I was yes, saying, so you're moving on to the new transition. And so kind of where, what are you doing now? Where are you in school? What are you studying? What do you hope to do professionally? Gotcha. Um, I'm in Brookhaven, Georgia, which is basically Atlanta. You know, everything around here is just called Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I'm, I go to Oglethorpe University and I'm a theater major. And I was actually, you know, lucky enough or blessed enough to, to win one of two theater scholarships to come here so oh, wow. it was a full tuition scholarship so praise god for that that and is a blessing congratulations yeah, oh my goodness. thank you so much yeah it is truly truly a blessing um and yeah so so i major in theater and um i do plan on being an actor so i've i've done stage acting my whole life but i would love to you know make the transition to film um but either one like i i love both so i'm not you know, very particular about what I end up doing, but I do know that, you know, acting, being either behind a camera or in front of a camera or on stage um, is where my heart is. So, yeah, but I, I really just like, you know, the idea of like the platform that comes with it um, is, is very nice to me as well, because, you know, I like, I like doing poetry. I love speaking and, you know, just making impact, a positive impact on people's lives. So that's really just my, my long-term goal, I guess you could say, just to make a positive impact on the people who I can um and yeah so I'm very very happy to be here this is actually my second week here yeah yeah I just finished my second week uh, here yesterday 
Um, So it's it's going pretty well. Well, congratulations. Two weeks in, it's going to go by fast. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, oh, trust me. I I know. (laughs) I was like, you will see. And so I'm just curious. So how did you get into theater and acting, um, you know, when you were younger? Like, how did it even get on your radar? Yeah. um, Oh, good question. Oh, Lord. Ooh, time to time to think back. Um, <laughs> I believe I, you know, and fun fact, I actually do not know who introduced me to, to Jesse Norman School of the Arts, but um it was partially Miss Cheshire, she was my drama teacher back at CT Walker. Okay. Um, and I think it was like partially her, partially it was it was definitely just being at Jesse Norman that got me into there. I feel like it, it might have just been my mom who who saw who heard of this program and was like, hey, you should be here. Um but yeah, so so going to Jesse Norman School of the Arts definitely furthered my love for, for theater or or maybe even like ignited it. Um, but yeah, because I remember doing plays. Susical the Musical is actually like the first play that I can remember doing. Um, and then from there, I went to Davidson Fine Arts and, you know, we did we had drama there. And I was like, oh, this is actually you know pretty cool. I, I like doing this whole performing thing. Um, Cause I, I was <laughs> I was always told that I'm, I'm pretty dramatic as a kid. Um, not not sure where they got that, from, but I guess they were onto something. <laughs> so so yeah, so that that's kind of I've just always been you know a character. Um, so yeah, I guess you know being character on stage and being a character professionally, you know it was it was the only the only choice for me really. So yeah. That's the, I guess that's kind of really how I got into it. And, you know, from from Jesse Norman to Davidson, they they both amazing, you know, places for me in our school doing dances and plays and, and things like that. And then also doing the same thing after school, because Jesse Norman, it's, a, it's an after school program. Um, oh, OK. Yeah. So it was just fantastic having both of those opportunities to, like, do things relating to theater and, you know, just the arts in general. Right. No, that's amazing. It's always, you know, exciting to hear how someone kind of stumbled into what they feel is their purpose. Um, And so it definitely sounds like, you know, you're on that path and, you know, such a blessing that you have the full scholarship. So congratulations again, because I'm sure that is, you know, very prestigious and and not easy to come by. Um, And we wish you the best of luck with that. And so I guess just in closing, kind of the final question that I kind of ask all the guests on the show is what do you feel is the legacy of Rosa T. Beard? Having been a part of the debutante club, seeing the girls and having your own experience as an escort, kind of what do you feel is the legacy that she left behind? Well, for a lot of young black girls in, in like the community, she, she gave them like an opportunity just to say, Hey, like we're here and we're beautiful and we're going to show y'all how amazing we are. You know, and I think that's like really the lesson or I guess the the legacy that she left by just like giving them a lot of like love, I guess, and showing them that like that they have a that they're they're beautiful in their in their own way. You know what I'm saying? Because this mm-hmm. is like not that like I said, it's not exclusively black girls, but it's it's just amazing to see, you know, girls, you know, period, just come together and be like, hey, you know, we're young. But look at look at all that we learn. Look at how we present ourselves. Like we are going to go out in society and be, you know, these beautiful young women. And of course, the dresses and and the dances are, are beautiful as well. But like our hearts are beautiful, too. So we're going to go out in society and show y'all that this is who we are and this is what we do. So I think that's at least that's, you know, kind of what I get from the cotillion. Of course, I know that, you know, the girls themselves, they're they're 
they're taught like kind of sort of different than we are as far as the whole cotillion experience because they have like classes and, and meetings and stuff that they go to. But from an outsider's perspective, I feel like that's kind of what um, she wanted society to see by by um, creating this club. And then for the gentlemen, just, you know, learning how to how to acknowledge the beauty of there are, um, you know, the women who will be escorting and or the girls, I keep saying women, <laughs> the girls that we're escorting and everything like that. Um, and how to, you know, be respectful and mannerable at all times. So, yeah, that's I guess that's kind of what what the club represents to me. So that's great. And and I mean, you're right in calling them young women, because, I mean, historically, that's what debutante clubs were. It was presenting young women to society and saying that, you know, here they are, they're ladies, they're women now. And so that's oh, true. Yeah. And And I think that's a great point that you bring out just in showing um, you know, young women of color that, you know, they are beautiful and, and, and they have all of these um, different skills and attributes and they are contributing to society and what mm. they can do and what they bring. And I think that's awesome. And I do think that historically, you know, kind of was the basis for it because it did start out where it was, you know, exclusively for young Black women because there weren't other opportunities to do that in the community. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's awesome in what you're highlighting and what you point out. It's been so great talking to you um, and, and just hearing about your journey and your path. And I'm excited to hear and see kind of what you do moving forward, um, because, you know, it's, it's just great to get a guy's perspective and to see young men. And I'm just so encouraged as I talk to like you and your colleagues and, you know, others who have gone through the club recently, just in that what our future is going to be. Um, and that it's in good hands because you all are doing, you know, phenomenal things and going on to do great things. And so I'm just excited to see what you all will accomplish and the um, opportunities that you will take advantage of. And, you know, just remembering to turn back and reach back and help those who come behind you, um, just as those who have come before you. Wonderful. And on that note, we'll leave it there. Mr. Baker Russo, thank you so much. That's it, y'all. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow us at Telling Her Story Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe to join us each month for a new episode of the Telling Her Story Podcast. Thank you for coming along for the ride. Until next time, be blessed, be a blessing, and in the words of Mrs. Rosa T. Beard, live lovely for excellence.